Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. We started doing our FOMO reports a little while ago. These are episodes of the podcast where we devote our time to making sure you don't miss out on anything important when it comes to news stories, even if you don't watch the liberal media. So if you have the fear of missing out or FOMO, no worries. We have you covered. <laughs> these these FOMO reports have been pretty popular. So we want to do something a little bit different. We've decided to make them a regular thing and move them to Fridays so we can call them FOMO Fridays. It just rolls off the tongue better, right? <laughs> from, from a series of articles from the Daily Wire, our first FOMO Friday story is out of Los Angeles. Los Angeles city officials okay ban on homeless camps near schools, daycares, and activist breaches chamber barrier. Hmm, sounds interesting, right? Well, Brandon Dre reports saying law enforcement rushed to protect Los Angeles City officials after a homeless activist climbed over the chamber's bench barrier that separates the public from the politicians just before a vote to ban homeless encampments within 500 feet of schools and daycare centers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> quote, you're a piece of mm, poop. That's not the quote. But anyway, the, <laughs> the un- uh, unidentified activist said during a chaotic meeting Tuesday before the authorities arrested her, uh, <laughs> quote, and how dare you say the people were not unhoused, unquote. <laughs> I, I'm sure those type of things actually helped this uh, particular city council um, make the right choice, right? (laughs) City officials struggled to tame the crowd uh, as protesters who swarmed the council's chambers in opposition to the ban and claimed it would further criminalize homelessness and stifle uh, connecting uh, them with needed services and resources. But with nearly every neighborhood in the City of Angels flooded with people setting up camp and occupying public areas in front of properties that were somewhat safer before the pandemic, the council still approved the ban in a 11 to 3 vote. That's actually pretty surprising, to be honest with you. Council members who voted in favor of amending the law stood for protecting the health and safety of children from the drug addicted and the mentally unstable individuals who have had free reign to set up camp near the city's 750 public school sites or the nearly 1,000 registered commercial daycare centers. Quote, this is an issue of restoring order and safety among our most precious sites in the city of Los Angeles. That was a quote from council member, Joe uh, Buscano, uh, he said uh, this during a meeting that um, that th- this was definitely something he was going to vote for. Now, Council Member Paul Corrance, uh, he echoed uh, the other chamberman's um, uh, sentiments by adding, it's not a phony issue. It's a real one. He said that homeless individuals have 
uh, shouted obscenities and thrown vile objects at parents and children as they walked through the encampments to drop off their children at school. Corinth said homeless people have hacked a 101-year-old man to death and shared um, other accounts of stabbings in his district over the past few years. Well, we have a we have to provide some kind of protection for our kids, he said. Wow, isn't that a novel idea <laughs> when it comes to a lot of politicians? Council member Mike Bonin opposed the ban while admitting he's, he's obviously he was one of the three. While admitting, though, that the city has a problem on its hands. So it has, it's got a big problem, but I don't really want to do anything about it. <laughs> Quote, the fact of the matter is, this is going to make the problem worse, he said. This is going to disconnect people from services. Not sure how that uh, is the case, but this is going to channel our time, money, and our energy into moving people around instead of moving people inside. It's actually harmful, he said. Okay. <laughs> I don't see too many people going inside. I see a lot of people on the outside. In fact, the Associate Press reported that the nonprofit People Assisting the Homeless, or PATH, which opposed the measure, said homelessness residents are more likely to be victims of violence rather than perpetrators. <laughs> and and my question here is, are these homeless people that are victims of violence, are they victimized by other homeless? <laughs> I would think so. I don't, I don't think there's too many people going around and committing violence against homeless people that aren't homeless themselves and on drugs and have mental issues and things. Enforcement of anti-camping ordinances then only displace people and makes it harder to, for tra uh, trained outreach staff to establish trust again. PATH said in a statement that residents of cleared encampments, un, uh, unless connected to stable permanent housing through a trauma-informed case management process, often return to unsheltered homelessness. <laughs> homelessness in Los Angeles County increased by approximately 13%. At the beginning of 2020, according to the last annual point in time count, more than 66,000 transients in the county were experiencing homelessness, with over 41,000 just in that city of L.A. alone. Uh, outside the, the city hall chambers, uh, they, there were protesters that were uh, wanting to abolish 4118, which references the law prohibiting encampments. Uh, on freeway overpasses, around railroad tracks, near loading docks, libraries, other locations like that. Uh, it, it's just, to be honest with you, it, it is a, a bad scenario right now with homelessness, particularly uh, here on the, on the West Coast. I know other places as well, but homelessness uh, or houselessness is what they want you to, to call it now. Uh, I've even heard it said uh, house disadvantaged. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's the homeless is, is a big deal. It's a big issue right now um, because of liberal policies. That's why it's a big issue. Here in the in the Pacific Northwest, there are there are homeless camps just everywhere. I, I, this is one of the times I guess I wish that this podcast um, you know was on video because I could I could take you down to Portland right now. 
I could take my camera and I could I could go down just about any street and I I could show you homeless encampments on that street. Uh, some worse than others, but uh, but it, it, there's there's some areas that that you just there almost isn't room for another tent. It is that bad. Those that are in charge of helping the homeless have a vested interest in making the problem worse. This is part. This is a big part of the problem because. What you're seeing is you're seeing this path group and 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 others um, that even um, government funded uh, agencies that if if the problem of homelessness goes down or goes away, so does their funding, and so their vested interest is to make sure the problem gets worse. It's a conflict of interest, uh, and 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 to show you what I'm talking about. In 2017, the, the, the year that, that Mayor Ted Wheeler, who's a Democrat, took office in, in Portland as, as mayor there, spent roughly $27 million on homeless services. That's a lot of money, $27 million on homeless services. That was in 2017. Under his leadership, funding has skyrocketed, with Wheeler this year pushing through a record $85 million for homeless housing and services in the year fiscal year of 2022-2023. From 27 to $85 million, that's a huge increase. And, and, and if that's not bad enough, let's take another city. Mayor Harrell at, said that Seattle is spending $173 million this year. That's what it's budgeted for to fund his homeless action plan. That represents a sharp increase in city funds devoted to homeless issues. In 2018, they they spent 77 million. So it's up a hundred million dollars. This is a situation that is getting worse and worse and worse because of liberal policies. And this is why homeless the homeless problem continues to grow. And we could do a whole podcast podcast on that. We're not going to do that. We're going to move on. <laughs> Most electric vehicles won't qualify for Inflation Reduction Act tax credits. None will qualify in a few years. Wow, this is going to be interesting, right? John Rizil, uh, is he did a, an article uh, where he says, Most electric cars won't qualify for the tax credits established by the tax and spending plan recently passed by Democrats in the Senate. According to a report, from the Associated Press Tuesday, most new electric vehicles or EVs would not qualify for the $7,500 tax credit for new EVs established in the climate spending provisions of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, in, in order to qualify for the credit, the new electric cars must have batteries manufactured in North America with at least 40% of its materials mined or recycled from North America. Those rules become uh, much more strict in a few years, making it even harder for new EVs to qualify, is what experts are saying. Quote, the EV tax credit, a.k.a. the clean vehicle credit, in the bill is an effective tool to help reduce the upfront cost of an EV for millions of Americans in the market for a new car or truck. This is what John uh, Bazella, he's the president and CEO of, of an automotive industry trade group called Alliance for Automotive Innovation. And he wrote this in a blog post. He said Friday, ahead of the Senate vote, 
quote, but as currently written, the material component and assembly requirements in the clean vehicle credit will immediately reduce by a lot the number of qualifying electric vehicles available to consumers for purchase with a tax credit. Here's what I mean. There are 72 EV models currently available for purchase in the United States, including battery and plug-in hybrid and fuel cell electric vehicles. 70% of those EVs would immediately become ineligible when the bill passes and none would qualify the full credit when additionally uh, sourced requirements go into effect. That means zero. Quote, the $75 credit might exist on paper, but no no vehicles will qualify for this purchase incentive over the next few years, is what he said. Now, under the the Inflation Reduction Act, in order to qualify for the full $7,500 credit, at least 40% of the of the components materials used in the in the battery uh, of an EV must be sourced in North America and and by 2027 that threshold increases to 80% of the battery materials if that requirement is not met the EV would only qualify for half the credit in addition a separate rule states that at least 50% of the battery's value must be manufactured or assembled in North America, the rule becomes stricter over time, eventually requiring 100% of the battery to be made in North America by 2029. If the vehicle doesn't meet these uh, these qualifications, the whole tax credit will be lost. Yet another rule requires that yet the rest of the EV itself must be made in North America in order to qualify for the tax credit. More and more and more and more regulation, right? On top of all those requirements... The credit does not apply to electric trucks or SUVs with retail prices above $80,000 or cars above $55,000. The credit is also only available to individuals who make less than $150,000 per year or families who make less than $300,000 per year. Another provision in the bill provides any vehicle from uh, prohibits any vehicle from qualifying for the credit if it has battery materials sourced from China by the year 2024. <laughs> I mean, in his blog, Bazella, he, he recommended a gradual process of implementing the uh, assembly restrictions to better reflect current geopolitical sor- sourcing and material uh, extraction realities. <laughs> so in other words, he's saying, let's, let's get rid of the restrictions. So instead of allowing the free market supply and demand capitalism, to work, we're, we're taking money from people that can't afford a $50,000 car or an $80,000 truck, and, and we're giving the richer people the money. I mean, that's kind of the, like the opposite of Robin Hood, isn't it? Right? I mean, it, it's a tax on the poor to help the rich. I mean, it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. We put so many restrictions on the money that no one fully benefits. So if we have this this big thing, and they're touting this right now, of course, because they passed it. We have this big thing going on about how, wow, you know, look what we've done. We've we've passed this this Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, in actuality, it's going to hurt the inflationary um, pressures. Um, and 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 inside of this, we're going to have all these spending things, particularly on environmentally 
sustainable things like like EV cars, right? But there's so many restrictions on it, nobody's going to benefit from it. So really, what is this about? Well, that's pretty easy. It's about virtue signaling. I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, that's these these liberal politicians have now virtue signaled to you just how wonderful they are and how much they care about the environment. And they actually did nothing to help the environment. So it's nothing but virtue signaling. That's what it's about. In a related story, actually, from uh, newsnationnow.com, the only thing worse than China stealing all of our technology is us giving it to them. And that's exactly what we're doing. This isn't just any technology. It's breakthrough battery technology that can change the way that the world deals with energy. Remember, green energy is everything these days. President Biden says it's the future, right? We're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of billions in, in your taxpayer money that we don't have in order to invest in green energy. So giving them our best battery technology is akin to giving the Soviets our best microchip and computer technology in the 1970s. It's unthinkable. The Blockbuster NPR uh, report shows America under the Obama administration giving China the best of the best American battery technology. And now the Biden administration proposes spending hundreds of billions of dollars to subsidize buying among other things, batteries from China. These batteries literally changed the world and, and, and they were made in America through and through. And here's how the NPR described the situation. Quote, they were building a battery, a uh, Vandium uh, redox flow battery. And, and it's, it's based on a design created by two dozen U.S. scientists in a government lab. The batteries were about the size of a refrigerator, uh, held enough energy to power a house, and could use could be used for decades. The engineers pictured people like like you know plunking them down next to the air conditioner <laughs> and attaching a, a solar panel to them, and and everyone living you know happily ever after off the grid. It sounds like science fiction, but. It was beyond promise, as Chris Howard put it. He's one of the engineers who worked there uh, for the U.S. company called Unit Energy. And it's, this is what he told NPR. He said, we were seeing it functioning as designed, as expected. Again, a battery the size of a refrigerator able to power a house, which lasts 30 years. And we did it. The Department of Energy under President Obama leased the technology to China, and then the Department of Energy under President Biden transferred the technology fully to China. In 2021, Jennifer um, Granholm ran the, the Department of Energy under the Biden administration. She is the former governor of, of Michigan, of course, and the, their combined incompetence means the game changer in clean energy isn't made in America. Biden didn't just give the technology to China in this case. He forbid the U.S. companies from building the batteries. I mean, it it, it was a, a just a mind-numbing thing to find out that this really cool technology, battery technology that we invented, that this technology was given to China. And then the companies in the U.S. that wanted to make these batteries 
were not allowed to do so by the Biden administration. And right now they're complaining about it. And why would this be the case? Why would the Biden administration just simply hand over this technology and ban us from using it? Could this have something to do with the millions of dollars that China has given to the Biden family? Maybe that's up to you to determine. Well, Eric Adams is deeply uh, contemplating taking New Yorkers to Texas to get back at Greg Abbott. (laughs) This is kind of an interesting story. And Tim Meads reports that Mayor Eric Adams, he's the Democratic uh, Democrat from New York, is considering getting back at Governor Greg uh, Abbott, who's the Republican from Texas, by shipping New Yorkers to Texas in retaliation for the Lone Star State spending busloads of illegal aliens to the Big Apple. <laughs> the feud between the two men has, has been brewing for weeks. And on Tuesday, Adams kicked up kicked it up a notch by saying, uh, for the good of America, Abbott must be voted out of office. I've already called all my friends in Texas and told them how to cast their vote. Adams said, and this is in response to a reporter who asked if he planned to get involved in the in the Texas gubernatorial election. He says, I am deeply uh, contemplating taking a busload of New Yorkers to go to Texas and do some good old-fashioned door knocking, he, he, he added with a smirk. On Sunday morning, Adams met with uh, the, the second busload of illegal aliens arriving from Texas in the New York Port Authority. And the Democratic mayor who ran for election with the promise of keeping New York a sanctuary city blasted Governor Abbott for transporting the immigrants across the country to his city. This is horrific when you think about what Abbott is doing, Adams said during a press conference. New York is a city that has always represented democratic values, showing our values. That's what we're doing today. It is unimaginable what the governor of Texas has done, he claimed. When, when you think about this country, a country that has always been open to those who are fleeing persecution and other intolerable conditions, we've always welcomed that. And this governor is not doing that in Texas, he added. <laughs> but we are going to set the right message and the right tone of being here for these families. <laughs> for, for his part, Abbott blasted Adams saying, what's horrific is the thousands of immigrants, illegal immigrants, overrunning the and, and overwhelming our border communities with populations smaller than New York City borough. And Mayor Adams is just hypocritically upset about welcoming a few dozen into his sanctuary city. <laughs> I mean, Abbott is, he's right here. This so-called sanctuary city of New York is upset that illegal aliens are coming to the city. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter how they get there, right? I mean, Texas is, is going, okay, fine. If you guys, you guys want to not secure the border, you guys want to be, uh, to become a sanctuary city, meaning that, you know, any illegal alien there is, is, is not going to, to, uh, be rounded up and sent back. Then great. Here you go. We'll give them to you. And what is their response? Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, if, if, if liberals didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. So out of the, the we're going to, we're going to look at, at one of the last uh, uh, stories here. And, and, and it's, I like to kind of to end oftentimes these FOMO reports with a, maybe a funny or, or a little more lighthearted. And this kind of falls into that category. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it says out of the pool forever. 80-year-old woman says that she was called a bigot after saying man was in women's shower area. So obviously that kind of got my attention. And it said that the 80-year-old woman claimed that she was banned from a pool in Washington State. uh, Has said that she was called a bigot because she said there was a man in the woman's changing area. Julie Jamin uh, told the Daily Wire's Morning Wire podcast that she was told she was no longer welcome at Mountain View Pool after she alleged that there was a man in the women's in a women's swimsuit with several young girls in the women's area of the pool located in Port Townsend, Washington. Quote, while I was showering on Tuesday, I heard a man's voice and I looked over toward the, the two toilets that were in the the dressing area, and there was a man in a woman's bathing suit watching four or five little girls take off their suits in order to use the toilets. And this is what Jameson said. Now, Jameson said that that she did not know who the person was in in the changing area, but that it was a man. (laughs) And she, she said, quote, I just saw a person in a bathing suit. There was no identification, nothing. There's no signage on the women's dressing room door to expect this, she said. And she told the local outlet, uh, the Port Townsend Free Press, that she then asked the person to leave. Quote, there were gaps in the curtain, and there I was, naked, with soap and water on me, and this guy right there very close to me, she said. I asked, do you have a penis? (laughs) He he said, that's none of your business. (laughs) That's when I told him, get out of here right now. (laughs) I would love to, I would love to have have been there, a fly on the wall, I guess, to see this 80-year-old woman just give it to this guy, right? She told Morning Wire that she was then told by a staff member, you're discriminating and you're out of the pool forever. And later told by the city officials that she was a bigot. She said that she asked, uh, she was asked to leave uh, following the incident in the changing room. And according to a statement from Aaron Hawkins, uh, com- communications manager for the pool, Jamin was banned for multiple violations of pool's code of contact, conduct. Julie Jaminson was permanently suspended from the Mountain View pool due to her repeatedly violating our code of conduct. Now, what code of conduct would that be? Well, specifically, using disrespectful words or gestures toward YMCA staff or others, abusive, harassing, and or obscene language or gestures toward YMCA staff or others, she told Fox News. Now, I'm going to stop here just for a second. And I'm going to say that this is a YMCA pool. And just like so many other um, organizations that start out, even, even with, with uh, a, a Christian um, influence or, or based on Christian values, uh, YMCA, 
course, stands for Young Men's Christian Association. This started out as an organization uh, for young men and to try to help young men uh, get a good footing in life. And maybe they, you know, maybe there was some even some homelessness uh, situations. Uh, I myself, uh, when I was younger, uh, stayed at a YMCA for a time uh, and in an apartment type of complex that they had had there. Uh, and and yet now when we take a look at this, this organization, it has nothing to do with Christian principles. In fact, just the opposite in this case. Now, Jameson told the Daily Wire that she has never had any violations at the pool or warnings about pool behavior. And she has since started a petition to pro- provide an alternative space for women so that they will not have to be in the same changing areas as males. Now, this this story is is troubling a little bit. And it's just another example of how liberal leftists want us to play along with those that have mental issues. What do I, and what do I mean by that? Well, in, in order to think that you can just say, I'm a woman today, even though you're biologically a man. And, and, and then to think that that's the actual case, that you're actually a woman and not a man anymore because you suddenly announce it or come out. Well, that's just mental issue. That, that's somebody with mental issues. That, that is not reality. That's not, that, that, that's not truth. And so what society is trying to tell us now, and liberals in particular, what they're trying to tell us now is that we're, we have to play along with these people. We have to pretend like what they're saying is correct, that they actually are women now, because we wouldn't want to hurt their feelings or we wouldn't want to make them feel bad. Well, that's not reality. That's not truth. They are biological men or biological women going the other direction, whatever. We are being asked to play along with their mental issues. And that shouldn't happen. And you you may agree, you may disagree with all that. I I would love to have the conversation with you. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 